this is Connor and Cassidy and Leland. How old's Leland now? Seven years. Seven months. Yep. <laughs> Seven months. Man, he has grown. Uh, isn't he? Isn't he awesome? Aren't, uh, this is a blessing. <clears throat> so we call this a parent commissioning because we know that what we're about to do is is not going to save Leland, uh, but there will be a day when Leland is confronted with his own sin and he will need to trust Jesus for himself. And what this is, is a commitment from Connor and Cassidy and us as the Bridge Church to set the stage for them, for, for Leland to know Jesus as soon as possible. Are you with me? So, so we want to set the stage as parents and as a church so that when our children are confronted with their sin, immediately they know where to run. King Jesus. I want to read a scripture to you from Deuteronomy 6. It's the Shema. Starts in verse 4. It says, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's what we want for Leland. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. So yes, it's Connor and Cassidy's role as parents to bring up Leland in such a way that he knows and loves Jesus, but we also have a part to play in that as well, church. So this morning, I'm going to ask you, Connor and Cassidy, do y'all promise to raise Leland in the ways of Jesus, to teach him of his sin and the forgiveness found in only Jesus? Will you teach him to love his bride, Jesus' bride, the church? Do you understand that it's your role to disciple him, to love the things Jesus loves, do the things Jesus does, and model a pursuit of him in front of of Leland. If so, say we do. Good job. Church family, it's also part of our role to push Connor and Cassidy and Leland into Jesus. We play a part in showing them the way. And when we surrender to Jesus, we are all family with one another anyway. So we, we play a part in one another's lives. We do have a responsibility in this. Bridge Church, do you promise to celebrate the steps Leland makes toward Jesus? Do you promise to assist Connor and Cassidy in discipling Leland in the ways of Jesus? Will you pray for the time when Leland makes a decision to follow Jesus for himself? Will you celebrate all that Jesus calls him to and be sure he knows his family called the bridge will be there to push him toward Jesus no matter what? If you do, will you say, we do? All right, at this time we have a Jesus Storybook Bible that was donated in memory of Stevie Jane Pruitt for Leland. And we have a parent commissioning certificate. And at this time we're going to ask anybody, if you want a home group, family, friends, if y'all want to come up, we're going to lay hands on them. 
And Chris Ross is going to pray. Chris and Rebecca have meant a lot to Connor and Cassidy. And so if you will, if you want to be a part of this, come up here and let's lay hands on Connor and Cassidy Leland. And we will, we will commission them. Um, while everyone's coming up, I just want to say a quick word about Connor and Cassidy. Um, they are good people. They are very good friends. They've been a huge blessing to Rebecca and I. So if, if you're not friends with them, you're missing out. You should be. Um, they're good people. And uh, we're just thankful for them, thankful for Leland. So let's pray. Um, Father, thank you for um, this bridge church that has surrounded itself around this new family. Um, God, thank you for Connor and Cassidy and for Leland, God, and, and just pray that um, Leland's journey, uh, walking into faith, walking into uh, a Christian, you know, living in a Christian household, growing up in a Christian household, God, I pray that he would um, have clarity from his parents and from his church as we surround him and as we raise him in the ways that Jesus has taught us. And so, God, I just uh, pray a word over Connor and Cassidy, God, that they would have wisdom that they would have um, answers, God, but they would have uh, a, a church that they would, they would know that the church that they attend um, loves them and is ready to surround them and walk with them through anything uh, in Leland's life. And, and, God, I just thank you for the family that you've brought to us. And, God, what great friends that they are and what, what love they have to give, God. So just uh, thank you for allowing the Bridge Church to walk with this family in Leland's life. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Will y'all celebrate what the Lord's doing with this family one more time? This morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. If you want to turn there in your copy of God's Word, we're going to finish up our sermon series on worship called Unceasing today. And the title of the message this morning is Secret Worship. Matthew chapter 6. I'm really excited about the weeks to come. And I want to give you a brief update of that um, when, while you're turning. So if you will, just, yeah, just put that. There you go. Any volunteers? That's good. Thank you. Will y'all give it up for Seth? <laughs> Woohoo! This is the last Sunday about worship. Next Sunday, we're going to have a foot washing. Now, if you've never been a part of something like that, uh, we're not going to make you get your feet washed, although you might want to clip your toenails this week. Um, but we're going to give the opportunity for us to wash one another's feet, uh, something that Jesus called and commanded in the gospel. We're starting R22 the following Tuesday after next Sunday, um, and, and we, need to, we need to walk into R22, that, that time of prayer together, right with one another, okay? We need to, we need to walk into that um, making all of our relationships, as, as much as it depends on us, as much as it depends on me, making our relationships right as we step into this time of prayer for our community for 40 days. So that's going to be our opportunity to do that next week. It's going to be part of our opportunity. 
to do that next week. We're going to have a foot washing. Don't not come because you're scared you're going to get your feet washed. We're not going to embarrass you. It's going to be okay. Come on. Um, you'll be all right. After that, the first Sunday in March, we're going to start a new series called No More Thems. It's out of the book of Ephesians. We're going to take one chapter out of the book of, the, out of, the book of Ephesians each week. And, and the reason it's called No More Thems is because I'm really tired, and I think the Lord is tired, of this us and them, us and them mentality that the church has adopted in our culture. And the book of Ephesians speaks to it. If, if I know the Lord Jesus and you know the Lord Jesus, we are brother and brother or we are brother and sister no matter what. But we've kind of adopted a, a tribalism and an us and them mentality that I think needs to be reckoned with. And I think the Lord has led us in that direction. And the book of Ephesians is, is loud and clear about unity, diversity, what it means to be adopted into the family of God. So I'm really excited about that, that series coming up called No More Thems. I'll walk through uh, the book of Ephesians. But this morning, we are still talking about worship, and we're talking about secret worship. I want to start with Matthew 6.1. And that should be the only thing up there. I think it's been a minute. There we go. Here we go. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. So what's Jesus saying? Don't walk out in front of a crowd and draw attention to yourself and say, look how awesome I am. Look at me, I'm following Jesus, I'm awesome, it's great. You should follow Jesus too and be as good as me. But you're not yet. But, but check this out, right before Jesus said that, he also said this in the same sermon, Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Is that odd to you? Jesus says in Matthew 5, 16, Hey, let everybody see that you follow me. Let them see your righteousness so that they'll give glory to your Father in heaven. And then just a few verses later in the same sermon to the same people by the same preacher, he says, don't practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. What do you think about that? Should we practice our righteousness in front of others? Or should we not? The important part are, is, the, is the five clarifying words in Matthew 6.1. To be seen by them. Don't, don't 
Don't go out in front of a crowd and, and let your motive be, hey, look at, look at this that I'm doing. Look at this that I'm, I'm, I'm righteous. Look at my righteous. Y'all, look at me. Look at my righteousness. Don't do that. But in the other one, Jesus was, in, the, in Matthew 5, 16, Jesus was also speaking to some, another problem that we have, is, and that's when we hide our relationship with Jesus and we shrink back. See, most of the time we fall into one or two categories. We say, my walk with Jesus is private, and, and that's none of your business. And, and I do have a walk with Jesus, but it's in a closet, and, and nobody sees it, and that's my business. That's between me and the Lord. No, sir. If we are following the Lord Jesus, we don't have to make an announcement that we are, but people will see. But we also don't go in front of a crowd and say, hey, look at me. If you're wondering if you do that, where, where is the glory going in your, in, your, in your relationship with the Lord? Do people see you and say, man, he's awesome, she's awesome? Or do they see you and say, I know him and he's not awesome? He must be following somebody that is. You know what I'm saying? That's the difference. Where does the glory land? We need to keep that in our mind when we, when we study this. We need, to, we need to keep that in our mind. Where, where does the glory land? Um, our, our faith needs to be... We, we don't need to shrink back from it going public, but our faith also doesn't need to be a publicity stunt. Either one is unhealthy. Verse 2. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be applauded by men. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. I'm not going to speak too much to this this morning because we're about to come into an emphasis about prayer and fasting. It's not that I want to avoid it. I believe everybody in this room needs to give as an act of worship to God. You don't need to give to me. You need to give to the Lord Jesus as an act of worship saying, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you with the money that you've blessed me with. And I will worship you by giving. I believe everybody needs to give. We do. It doesn't matter if I believe it. It says we need to. So we need to. But because we're walking into a prayer emphasis uh, in the next few weeks, I want to focus on the next two more than this one. What this is saying, though, is when you, when you go serve the poor, when you go help the poor, when you give, leave your selfie stick at the house. Don't, don't, don't go serve the poor and say, aha, how many likes can I get on Facebook? Leave your camera at the house and go serve the poor in secret. And Jesus will see. And that's enough. Verse 5. Let's talk about prayer. Let's talk about fasting. 
Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees in secret secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. Therefore, you should pray like this, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And, bring, and, and do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. The first thing I want us to see in this passage is praying as worship is not religious. It's not. That may seem like a weird observation to you, but Jesus is addressing something. And, and as, as, as much as you read that and you think, man, that makes sense, we shouldn't give and for ourselves or we shouldn't pray for ourselves so that we'll see, be seen by people. This would have been a shock to the first people that heard it because the religious crowd, they would, they would come out and they would, they would say, hey, I'm fixing to pray, everybody. Y'all listen up. Look at my clothes. Aren't they awesome? Now I'm about to pray. Are y'all ready for me to pray? All right. One more time. Are y'all listening? I'm about to go now. And, and they would pray. And, and a lot of times they would direct their prayer meant for God to the people. And they would preach. Or, or they would say, God, I, I know... I know you're awesome because look at how awesome you've made me and I'm glad you didn't make me like them. It was, it was religious. It was religion. And this is what religion does to, peop- to, to people. This is what it does to us. It takes something pure that God has given us and it makes it about us. It makes it about me. It's, it, it makes it about, look, look how awesome I am. And Jesus addresses it. And he says, don't go out in front of people and pray these big flowery prayers. I honestly, I honestly do not think Jesus is, is, is condemning public prayers. If I thought he was, we wouldn't do it. But what he is condemning is is, is making prayer something that it's not. When I pray, it's not meant for you to look at me. That's, that's what I appreciate about a man like James coming up here and doing the welcome. And, and I know he was nervous. He had told me he was nervous about the prayer, but that was prayer. He didn't get up here and pray in King James English. Oh, Holy Father, thou art awesome. <laughs> that ain't real. This is, this is a heart cry to God. Will you have your way? I know that, that you may... You may look up here at me sometimes 
And, and I hope that, that my prayer life doesn't intimidate you. I don't, I don't want it to. Because what I say is just, is just naturally coming out of my heart to God. And if, it, if it's more than that, it's fake. And I don't want to be fake. But, but if, if what naturally froze out of your heart for God is, God, I, I need your help right now. And that's it. That's okay. What, what we've done as a church is we have made prayer into this unattainable thing. We've, we've heard these incredible long prayers in, in church. And, and if they're real, they're real. But it's not about the, the length and it's not about the flowery words. More than you hear me pray, what you hear me pray on Sunday, I'm sitting in my de- at my desk in my office and I've got somebody across from me that's walking through something devastating in their life and they're asking me for help and I'm saying, God, I don't know what to do. God, I don't know what to, pro- I don't know what to say. God, I don't know what the problem is, but you do. God, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to help this person. Will you help me? That is my prayer life. It's, it's more than what you see up here on Sunday mornings. It is, it is a constant, I need you. It's, it's real short. And in those, 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 those instances where something hits me in the face and I, I don't know what to say to somebody or I don't know what to do for somebody, I don't have time for the flowers and the roses for God. I got to get to the point. God, I don't know what to do right now. Will you help me? That's it. And it's okay. I remember when I was a student pastor, um, I started part-time in the fall and started full-time in January. And by the following November, by the following Thanksgiving, I had been student pastor long enough just long enough to find out I didn't know what I was doing like eh. and some stuff had happened and and I had you know faced some things where I had just hit a wall and said I don't know what to do I don't know what to do that was my prayer to God every day I don't know what to do it's Monday. I don't know what to do. That Thanksgiving, I was cooking turkeys, deep frying turkeys for my family. Uh, I had like five or six to do. And I remember dropping a turkey in the grease and hearing it sizzle. And when it got in there, I looked at it and I was like, God, if you don't cook this turkey, I'm not gonna, it's not going to turn out. <laughs> God, I don't, I don't know how to cook a turkey. God, what are we going to do about this turkey? It's going to come out raw. It's going to come out nasty. It's going to come out too dry. You got to cook this turkey, God. And I remember standing up and thinking, man, I can't even cook a turkey no more. And I was like, God, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't I hit the wall. I mean, I'm on the bottom. And God convicted me right then. And he said, I want you to depend on me even with your turkeys. And then he gave me a bunch of turkeys, y'all. 
But seriously, that's, that's what Jesus wants in our prayer life. Everything. Somebody ticks you off at work and you're mad. You want to call the first person that you know is going to listen and, and tell you what you want to hear. Jesus wants you to take that frustration to him. You have something that happens in your life and you're celebrating and you're jumping up and down and you're thinking about who you want to call first. Jesus wants to celebrate that with you. Everything. All the time. It's okay if it's a sentence. The God of all creation is concerned with us. Think about that. Then Jesus is so good. He gives us a guide for prayer. I gave you a listening guide this morning because I really want you to have that with you to take to R22 if you need it. Uh, it should fit your Bible. We've already answered one. If you missed it, the blank was religion. Um, but Jesus gives us this, this guide to prayer. He gives us a model prayer. And I would encourage you to read it. I would encourage you to memorize it. But I want to clarify something for you. Jesus is not expecting us to pray that as our prayer life. He's given us a skeleton for us to build our own prayers from. And that's what I want you to remember about this, okay? Uh, so I want to walk through this with you. I want to walk through it line by line. And I want you to see what Jesus is saying in this model prayer. And you can take it to R22. And you can, if you don't know what to pray for these people, you can pray this. You can pray this, okay? The first one, our Father, your name, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Nothing is outside your control. Nothing is outside your compassion. That's what that means. Our Father, that would have blown everybody away in the minute that in the moment Jesus began his prayer, our Father. Your name be honored as holy. He is saying, God, you are both intimate father and you are incredible set-apart creator. In the same sentence. You remember we talked about this when we talked about Isaiah 6. Lord and Lord, Adonai, Y-H-W-H. Y'all remember that? He is both intimate and he is both powerful. He is also powerful. That is, that is the way Jesus is praying. He is saying, nothing is outside of your control. Your name be honored as holy, set apart, creator God. And nothing is outside your compassion, our Father. When you, when you get your card for R22 and you're, you're looking at it, you can, you can look at this person and you can honestly say, God is both sovereignly over everything in this person's life and he cares intimately about it. Both are extremely true. You can pray that over every single card. The next is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is, as it is in heaven. If I had to re-say that, I would say I want what you want for this person and myself. And if I do not, please change me. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You are praying that God would get his way in this home. At R22, you see that card, you see that name, you see that address. God, will you get your way here? Did you know if you pray for God to have his way, you will never be disappointed? 
If you pray for you to get your way, you praying for a Chevrolet, you got a hard life ahead of you. But if you pray, God, I want your kingdom to come. I want you to get your way. You can be confident in that prayer. Pray that for those families. Give us this day our daily bread. If I had to re-say that, teach me to trust you to provide for me. Please provide for this person. I really think Jesus is talking about physical bread in this prayer, but he's not only talking about that. He's also talking about spiritual matters, family matters. And, and, And the prayer is, God, will you provide everything? Whatever they need. I don't know what they need, but will you provide everything they need to know and love you? Everything. If it's food, provide them food. If it's salvation, provide them salvation. Jesus, be my provision as well. And everything I have, I know is from you anyway. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Don't be surprised if you get a card in your envelope and it's somebody you know and love and celebrate and you can't wait to send them that card. And don't be surprised if you get a card in your envelope and it's somebody that has done jacked with you. And you can't stand them. And you, don't, you can't figure out what to write on that card. If I had to re-say it, I would say, I am a forgiven forgiver. Please help me forgive this person if I need to and guard them from any bitterness toward their family, friends, and enemies also. When we trust Jesus, we change into forgiven forgivers. We have to forgive. And I wouldn't doubt if Jesus doesn't raise somebody in your R22 envelope that you say, eh, not them. Forgive them, pray, write them a note of love, and send it to them. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I do not trust myself in temptation. Please guard me. All my trust is only in you. We have an enemy that Jesus speaks about to deliver us from. We do have an enemy, but our worst enemy is not the devil. It is Dustin. I don't have to do what I'm tempted to do. Ever. And Jesus is saying, guard me from both the enemy that tempts me and my flesh who surrenders to him. We can pray that over homes as well. You can take this skeleton prayer, this model prayer that Jesus has given us, and you can pray these things whether you know that person or whether you don't know that person. You can pray for God to have his way to provide for them, to forgive them, and deliver them. Every person. Now the next thing we need to talk about is fasting. And it's the same as prayer. Uh, Fasting as worship is not religious. Last, or a couple weeks ago, when I told you that we were going to have five fasting days as a part of R22, I really got some looks. And uh, I don't want you to dread that. 
but I do, I do want us to walk into it together, okay? Uh, let's read that scripture, verses 16 through 18, real quick. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive. That's harder for some than others. So their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So same thing was happening. God, fasting has always been a way that the people have got, of God have connected with God. I think of Esther. Esther called on the people of God to fast while, while she was going to talk to the king, and God saw that, and he heard their prayers, and he blessed. But, but the religious people were going out in public, and they were saying, I'm so hungry. I'm fasting for God. I'm about to starve to death because I'm, you know, holy and all. Jesus is not saying that it's, it's wrong for us as a church to say on every Tuesday of our 22 except the first one we're going to fast together. There's nothing wrong with that for us to publicly say that. What is wrong is to make fasting something that it's not. Fasting is meant to be a, a connection with God. We have set aside things and we are connecting with God. It's not meant for us to go around saying, oh, this is so hard. There's three things that I want to encourage you to fast from when we fast at R22. Uh, the first thing is obvious, food. Um, I did note it should be sacrificial. If you say, hey, I'm going to fast from vegetables, that's, that's not really fasting, y'all. <laughs> or I'm going to fast from a food that I can't get. Like camel, I'm going to fast from camel. You know, you, that's, that's cheating. Don't, don't, fat, don't cheat when you're fasting. But this is, this is what the scripture talks about only fasting from. is food. Well, actually, there's one more. Um, but, but it talks about fasting from a certain food. It, it, talks, it talks about fasting for a certain time frame. It's normally in response to, to mourning. Something tragic has happened. Or, or I'm needing to hear from God. It's in a response. I, I'm needing to hear from God on this instance in my life. And it's always food. Uh, there, is, there is one more that's, that's a refrain in, in 1 Corinthians. Um, Paul tells husbands and wives to, to potentially fast for a time from, from, sexual inact from sexual activity. We're not even asking you to do that, husbands and wives. But we are asking you to fast from food on every Tuesday of R22 after the first one. My plan is to go from after supper Monday to supper Tuesday. 24 hour, like that, that supper to supper fast. Um, 
I don't want to be legalistic about this. I don't want to tell you if you don't, you know, something's bad gonna, something bad's going to happen to you. If you need to eat, like you're taking some medicine or something, I would encourage you to, t- you know, eat to take your medicine. Um, no judgment there. But biblically, a fast is from food. But there's two other things that I want you to fast from. This is not multiple choice. I'm asking you to fast from all three on those Tuesdays. Uh, the next one is, is news. I think it would be a shame for us to set aside every Tuesday of R22 and fast from food and pick up a newspaper. I think that would be a shame. Um, you might not consider this fasting. The Bible doesn't really consider this as fasting. But on those days, we're crying out to God to speak to us, to, to do something, to move in our community, and I don't want us to get bogged down with news. That one day, let Jesus handle the world. I think you can trust him that, that one day. And, and let's be honest, if something bad is coming to get us, you ain't going to be able to do nothing about it anyway. Just, just let Jesus have that one and say, all right, God, I'm going to step away and let you control it today. All right? Let's set down our news. I don't care what your news source is. Fox, CNN, whatever, whatever. No news on those Tuesdays, okay? Let's walk away from it for those days. I'm not saying Christians ought not be involved in the news. I'm not saying that. I'm saying let Jesus have it that day. Last thing, social media. I think it would... I think, Wow. I think it would be a shame for us to set down food for a day and say, God, speak to me, and start scrolling. On social media, I'm asking you for that day, set down social media. Guys, I'm not demonizing it, but we are not supposed, we're not wired to be able to handle every time somebody freaks out. We're not wired to be able to handle that. We've got a thousand friends and all of them's mad about something, and we're trying to figure out all of them. We can't fix that. We're not wired for that. On that day, let Jesus handle Facebook. Put it down. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, for for the 40 days, I'm I'm unplugging. I'm I'm, I'm unplugging from social media. If you tag me in something and say that that Dustin Pastor is a jerk, I'm not going to know it for 40 days. So get your shots in if you want to do that on social media. But I would encourage you to step back and unplug. And just say, Jesus, will you speak to me? This was the best thing I could think of about fasting, if I had to describe it. Partnership lunch. I'm kidding. Lunch. Isn't that, isn't that ironic? But most of the time, that, that bin right there would be a good representation of our lives. It's not, it's not just full It's like full to the top and overflowing. And this is, this is God speaking to us or pouring into us. Well, like some of it got down to the bottom, and let's call that the heart. But really, there was a lot that got out, and it made a mess. 
Like a, a lot of it went everywhere. But fasting is to say, God, I'm going to take this for today. I'm going to take this for today. I'm going to take this for today. And for today, I'm going to take this and I'm going to set it over here out of the way. And then God gets to do this. You know what I'm saying? And, and when it's not religious, fasting's not religious, and it's, it's, it's not overly complicated. It's saying, I'm going to take this out, and I'm going to take this out, and I'm going to let you have better access to my heart for today. And, and I'm, I'm going to let you speak whatever you want to say for this day. Now, tomorrow, i got to pick that back up, and i got to put it back in. But for today, I want you to say whatever you want to say right to my heart. That's all it is. It's not religious. It's not for show. It's, it's allowing God direct activity to my soul. Don't, don't make it more than that. Now, I want to take fasting further after R22. I want, it, I want us to become a church that does this. Some. But this is a step forward. And I, I really want to tell you how important it is. I want you to do this. I don't want you to say, oh my goodness, the rest of the church is doing this. I'm, I'm going to a Mecca. I'm not, I don't want you to do I want you to take this serious and just see just see if you remove some things if Jesus will speak to your soul like never before. Last thing, fasting and prayer equals a move from defense to offense. Over the past few weeks, maybe you can say this, I know I can. I have felt like I'm a boxer and I've got my gloves in front of me like this. And that's all I'm doing. And it's coming, and I just got, I just got my gloves. And I look over here, and I get, I get hit over here, and I look over here, and I get hit over It's like I'm reeling all the time. I'm just taking things as they come, and I'm not really responding. I'm just trying to not get the knockout. But fasting and prayer is a switching of the roles. It may not feel like that to you. You may feel like when you're fasting or when you're praying, you're not doing anything. But let me tell you something, guys. I don't give a flip how awesome you are sharing the gospel. You will never save one soul. Never. Now, you need to be sharing the gospel. But salvation belongs to the Lord. So when I go and I fast and I pray and I say, God, I want you. I want you to have your way. That's offensive. That's taking ground. That's saying, God, you saved somebody. And it's a move from defense to offense. It's no longer reeling. It is a power play. You may be passionate about justice issues in our world. And that's awesome. I hope that you write a book about it. But I don't care what you do for justice issues. You cannot do what God can do. You may be passionate about racial reconciliation. That's awesome. I think we all should be. But you cannot do what only Jesus can do. Fasting and prayer is saying 
to God. God, we will do whatever you tell us to do, but we also understand that only you can do what only you can do, and we can't. That is a move from a defensive posture to a power play. And that's what we're doing with R22. We're asking you to be involved in it. We need your help. And it's a really big deal. I want a power play to go, out, go across our whole community. Not from the bridge, but from the king. This morning, if you're here, I want you to know that you have probably been prayed for. I'm looking across the room, and guys, there, there aren't many in the room right now that were not prayed for by name this morning. It's incredible. This morning, today, there was a group of us that opened up prayer, and we just began to say, God, will you have your way? We started naming names. And when I look around the room, it's, it's incredible. There's not many that are here that were not prayed for by name this morning. And our only prayer is that you would do what Jesus tells you to do. Not do what we want you to do. Not do what you expect us to want you to do. But if Jesus is telling you to do anything, that you would just simply do it. I can't speak to what your need may be. Some of you may need to trust Jesus for the first time. Some of you need to say, God, I, I have got to renew my commitment to you. Some of you may be so broken about uh, things going on in your life, circumstances in your life, that all you know to do is just fall on your face and pray and maybe say, hey, will somebody come pray with me? This morning, you've been prayed for. Almost every single person in the room by name. And our prayer is that you would do whatever he says. We're going to sing one more song. While we do that, we want to open it up for you to have the freedom to do whatever that may be. If you need to come down here and pray, uh, if you need to come down here and raise your hand, if you raise your hand, somebody will come down here and pray with you. We'll be, we'll be looking. If you need to trust Jesus for the first time, I'm going out in the lobby for the last song. Come see me. I'll help you. Whatever you need to do, whatever Jesus says, you have the freedom to do it. Father, we come to you this morning. And God, I don't, I don't want to be anything, I don't want us to be anything other than exactly who you want us to be. Sometimes that's hard, sometimes that's weird, sometimes that's confusing. But man, I, I, I pray that you would give us the courage to obey when you give us the clarity of what you want from us. If somebody needs to trust you for the first time this morning, would you give them the confidence to just stand up and walk in the lobby? If, you've got, if somebody in this room is just hurting just, just crippled with fear or crippled with doubt or crippled with pain uh, and they don't know what to do, would you, would you give them some kind of a fresh encouragement of you today? If somebody has walked from you, if somebody has strayed from you, would you remind them of your goodness?
and bring them home. All we want is all you want. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>